0: Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. Good to see you all outside and online. Today's a busy day here at Eagle Ridge Church. We've got a number of things going on. Did you see all our Christmas decor? Do you like that? Put you in the Christmas spirit? I want to encourage you, to, as soon as it gets dark tonight or over the next week or whenever it's convenient for you, drive by the church. It's lit up really beautifully for Christmas. We like to celebrate Christmas here because Jesus is the reason for the season. Amen? Amen. Well, like I said, we have a busy uh, morning. Uh, Of course, I'm going to start in Romans chapter 15. But before I do that, we have membership affirmations. And then at the end of the service, stick around, go out to the courtyard. We're going to have some baptisms. So it's exciting ministry time here. And by the way, we have a member here who's been with us for 17 years. And... um, Today is her, hope she doesn't get mad at me, her 80th birthday. Ellen Titus, stand up. Let's give her a hand. (laughs) Amen. Happy birthday. So I'm going to call up, uh, about every other month we do a membership informational class, and that's a class where we have a luncheon. And we come and we get to know each other. But we talk about the mission and vision of, of Eagle Ridge Church and just how we're wired and all the opportunities for ministry here. And so it's about every keep your eyes open. I think the next class is going to be in January. We'll we'll post that on our website, and on our church app, and you'll hear about it. So sometime in January will be our next class. We just had a class. Had a great uh, time with everybody, and. As a result of that class, we've got some folks that say Eagle Ridge Church is going to be my home, and I want to be affirmed into membership. So what we do is we, uh, in the affirmation process, we call call you up front. So I'm going to call up the Val Carcells. Come on up. You guys recognize them? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pat Gross. Pat, come on up. Gene Valancourt. Gene, come on up. Now, um, this next family, uh, one of the members is going to be baptized today. And so I'm going to, he's going to get double dipped. You know what that means? He's going to get baptized, and then I'm going to affirm him into membership. But I want him to come up anyway to stand with his daughter and his mom. And so uh, Joseph Mitchell, and along with that, uh, Lita and Carmen, you guys come on up. Yep. <laughs> so here comes Joseph. He's going to get baptized today. Isn't that right, Joseph. Jack and Wendy Kaywood. Jack and Wendy, and we've got some others that are going to be affirmed into membership next week. So we're excited about this. So we do two things: they're making a commitment to become members here to get involved and. And uh, invest in people's lives, but we're going to invest in their life. And that starts right now. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment. Would you be willing to make a commitment? You would? We should probably pass the offering bucket right now, huh? (laughs) So, no, no, no. In all seriousness, your commitment that I'm asking you to make is to get to know these people, these folks, these lovely individuals, and pray for them. And we're going to start that right now. Would you stand to your feet? Even if you're outside in the courtyard, stand to your feet. And we're going to pray, and in this process of membership affirmation, what we're doing is we're praying a special blessing on each family that's represented up here. And I want you to join me. So if you're comfortable extending your hands out as I pray, and we'll start at this end right here. There you go. Father, I thank you for the K-Woods. And, Lord, we pray as as Eagle Ridge Church family for them, Lord, that you minister, continue to minister, continue to guide them, direct them, and bless their family. Lord, we're excited about uh, them becoming members here at Eagle Ridge Church, Lord. We thank you for Jack and Wendy. And, Lord, we pray and affirm them into the membership right now of Eagle Ridge Church. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Congratulations. Yes, and we got a big family right here. I'm going to put my hand right in the middle, and you guys, there you go. <laughs> Father, we pray for the Val cells, Sean, Monica, and Caleb, and Lord, we're grateful for them. They're already extremely involved, and we love that. And We pray a special blessing over this family, God. We pray, Lord, that you continue to use them in a mighty way as you have. Lord, I pray that uh, you'd meet all their needs. Lord, we stand with them, and we pray for them, pray for blessing. We now affirm the Val cells and the membership of Eagle Ridge Church. And everybody said, amen. amen. Congratulations. Congratulations. Pat, we're happy you're here. And we pray a special blessing over you. The church family prays that God would meet your needs, Lord, that, you con- uh, that the Lord would continue to guide you and direct you. And we're grateful for Pat. He's already involved in ministry here. And Lord, I pray that uh, you continue to use him in a mighty way and bless Pat. We have now affirm Pat into the membership of Eagle Ridge Church in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Congratulations. Yeah. We got a nice big family right here. Let's let's do a huddle right here. Here we go. Father, I thank you for this wonderful family, for Jean, for Joseph, Lita, and Carmen. And Lord, we just thank you for them and and. They're so involved already in all the different ministries that we have. Lord, I pray that you'd meet their needs and supernaturally work in their lives, Lord. I thank you for Joseph, who's making a decision to be baptized today, and he's just standing here with his family. Thank you for Jean and, and her decision, and Lita and Carmen, and Lord, we pray a special blessing over them. Now affirm them into the membership here, Beagle Ridge Church, in Jesus' name. Amen. And Everybody said amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So take a good look at them because you want to get to know them. Continue to pray for them. This is how, no matter what size we become, this is how we stay tight and family. Amen? Amen. Go ahead and make it back to your seat. And I'm in Romans chapter 15, so if you have your Bible, your smart device... Thank you, Sean. Somebody recently just asked me, hey, pastor, are you still in Romans? (laughs) Still in Romans. We're in chapter 15, though. We're getting close to the finish line. And that's a good thing. I love Romans. and, And I'll tell you what. If I was stuck on a deserted island, with no in and out burgers, <laughs> if I was stuck on a deserted island and I could only have one book, it would be the book of Romans. Of course, I'd ask for the Bible, but if I could only have one book in the Bible, I think it would be the book of Romans because within it, I find what it means to know Christ, who Christ is, salvation, all the key doctrines of the Christian faith are found in Romans. I really believe that with my heart. We finished off two weeks ago in Romans 14 where Paul was addressing the, um, the issue of causing another brother or sister to stumble. He was talking about how some people think certain foods are wrong, certain days should be worshipped on and stuff like that. But his conclusion was this. Hey, if, if something you're doing is causing a weaker brother or sister to stumble, then just don't do it for the sake of the gospel. Keep in mind, we're free in Christ. Jesus said, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. I don't know if you heard that. That's powerful. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. That's liberating. I mean, free from what? Free from sin. Free from all the darkness, maybe, that you've participated in all the stuff, all the skeletons in the closet, free from that, free from all the burdens. Through Christ Jesus, we have been set free. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Free up here, free here. And so Paul took that to the next level in in the sense of communicating, look, you're free in Christ, but if what you're doing is causing somebody to stumble, for the sake of the gospel, Don't don't get in the way of somebody coming or drawing closer to the Lord. You have the freedom to express and live out your faith and do the things that you think that you need to do. But if it causes somebody to stumble, then it's probably better just not to do that in front of them. Amen? Amen? Because to Paul, the gospel was everything. And now we move into chapter 15 and we start with verse 1. You ready? Here we go. Romans 15. Verse 1 and 2, we who are strong have an obligation to bear, Paul says, with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up, to edify. And so Paul's using some interesting verbiage here. And when you do word studies in the original language, it really unfolds. Meanings that you don't necessarily pick up on a first level read, and Paul's using this this phrase obligation to bear. He's, we have an obligation to bear up weaker brothers and sisters, their burdens, and he's using that word uh, bastazo. Can you say that bastazo? What that means is to bear. It means to hold. It means to be p- to pick up or carry. A burden. It's it's literally that picture of carrying a pitcher of water, and you know you carry a pitcher of water. You carry it carefully. You, you hold it by the handle, and if it's a good sized pitcher, you put the other hand on it just so it doesn't spill. And, and so it's something you you carry, but you carry it carefully, and and it's a the verbiage that Paul uses indicates to us it's an obligation that we have to to. Um, Uh, not just see someone who's in need, who's struggling, or, God forbid, critique them, but to help witness to them by carrying their burdens, at least, at the very least, to pray for them. Isn't that right? And so it's not something that Paul would say, don't be condescending, but to bear one another's burdens, you're showing respect, you're sincere. And here's what he says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. the Paul, e. Paul says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. It's that spirit of hum- humility or humbleness. Regard one another as more important than yourself. Not merely looking out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Man, the church would just be rocking and rolling forward, leading people to Christ and being a wonderful example if if we would not put our needs in front of everybody else, if we would look more kindly and lovingly towards other people and consider them for the sake of the gospel, to draw them to a place of salvation. I mean, someone say amen. Amen. I know that's not culturally acceptable anymore to say amen in church. It's not too cool. But someone, come on. There we go. Amen. So here's the point. We've got to show genuine love to to believers. And and typically that's just being a blessing to them. Isn't that right? Meeting people's needs. I mean, praying, when someone says, you know, I'm having a a crummy day. I'm not having a good, it's, it's rough. By the way, whenever... Anybody ask me, "Hey, pastor, how are you do how are you doing?" I try to be honest. Everybody thinks that every day I wake up, I'm on the top of the world and you know, and I'm just feeling great and praising God and I try to, but some days I wake up on the wrong side of the bed because I am a human being. And so I try to be honest when someone says, "How are you doing?" I'm, "Eh, hanging in there." I know that's probably not something a pastor should say, right? But I think it's important to be honest because that opens the door for someone to say, Well, let me pray for you. Let me lift you up in prayer. Paul was concerned because some of the climate in the church at the time he was doing ministry in Rome and throughout Asia Minor, they were they were just butting heads. A lot of the Christians. I know it's hard to, to fathom that Christians would butt heads, you know. But, but they would butt heads and get critical about some minor things, very minor things. And people would get sensitive, and especially about things that have to do with culture. If, it's, if something's part of your culture, your family history, uh, people hold tight to those. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians about the attitude we should have. He says, though I am free from all men, Paul said this, I've made myself a slave to all. So it's that whole diakonos mentality. That's where we get the word deacon. It's serving. I have made myself a slave to all that I might win the more. See, his whole point was the gospel. It doesn't matter if I don't get my way. And it doesn't matter if things don't come out great the way I'd hoped. If someone comes to faith in Christ... That's what it's all about, that I might win the more. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law. Though not being myself under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. You catch his reasoning? And to those who are without the law, now he's talking about the Gentiles, as without the law though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those who were without the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all men, that I may be all means save some, by all means save some. And that doesn't mean that Paul was this chameleon that he just kind of fit in with everybody, and he was just this real vanilla kind of guy that just had no spice to him, Right? He's not talking about compromising the gospel here at all or the godly standards that we're to to have in our life. And he he confirms that later on in Galatians, Galatians 1.10. He says, am I now seeking the favor of men? He's asking a question. He says, or of God? And, of course, it's God. And then he goes on. He says, he asks the Galatians, or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. That word bondservant is huge because it means a, a self-desiring slave. I choose to be a slave for Christ. No one made me a slave. It's by my own doing that I've chosen to submit to Christ, and so Paul's saying, "Look, I don't do what I do to please men. I do what I do for the sake of the gospel. If I know something's cool and it's okay, but someone has a struggle, if I'm doing it, I'll refrain from doing it. That's that's what Paul's saying, because if that leads them closer to Christ, that and Paul addresses." those kinds of attitudes with the weaker brother or the stronger brother. And it's not that you're being wishy-washy. It's that you're being kingdom-focused, kingdom-focused. Listen, I don't know where you fall on eschatology. What did I just say? Let me rephrase it. I don't know where you fall on end times. Let me break it down. I don't know... What you believe about when Jesus is coming back to rapture the church, about the end times, about the end of the world, about the new kingdom that God's going to create—I don't know where you fall. If if the rapture is going to happen before the great seven-year tribulation, or if the rapture is going to happen in the middle, some time in between, or afterwards, or you might be sitting there and say, you know what, I'm a pan-tribulationist. It'll all pan out in the end. You know, <laughs> wherever you are, wherever you are, listen. I believe, and I'm going to step to the side here because this is my opinion. I believe that Jesus is going to come back at any moment. I believe that. I believe that now more than ever. I mean, just turn on the news. No, don't. Don't turn on the news. <laughs> but he's going to come back at any time. And we've got to be ready. We've got to be ready. And and, and we need to be living on our Living our life in a way that draws people to Christ, it doesn't mean we're perfect. We make mistakes, but we need to live in a way that, that the world is attracted to Christ through us. Can I talk to you men for a second? Yes, sir. Do you need to ask your wife permission? <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you for that. Listen. I don't want to step on the guy. Well, yeah, I do. I want to step on the guy's toes. We have a men's breakfast on December 11th from 8 o'clock till about 9.30. Right here. I want you to be here. Moe's going to be in the back. If you haven't gotten already a card, a business-sized card, it's got a QR code. I need you to register. We want to make sure we have enough food for you, but I want you to bring a friend. Okay? I met a guy who I've invited to speak, and this guy just blew my socks off, Dr. William Gray. I went to a Veterans um, celebration on Veterans Day by the city of Menifee, and Dr. Gray got up and spoke, and I love this guy. I just met him, and he says, look, I want to be clear. I'm not very politically correct, and he wasn't, and that's what I liked about him, and he just Listen, this guy just let it rip about just truth of why our nation's where it's at right now and how much we need the Lord. So I've asked him. He's going to share with you on December 11th. Guys, you don't want to miss it, and we're going to feed you well, but you need to register. If you show up without registering, you might, we might run out of food. I, the only reason we want you to register is so we have, make sure we have enough food for you. Amen? Enough of that. But guys, you need to come because, listen, men... We need to strengthen each other. Iron sharpens iron. We need to do that. We need to be the leaders in our home. We need to be the leaders in our community. We need to be men, men of God. Ladies, say amen. amen. Okay. So here we go. We're in verses 3 and 4, Romans 15. Paul says, For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written. And so now Paul's using. Not himself as an example, which he did, by the way. Isn't that cool? Can you imagine using your, hey, just do what I do? Using yourself as an example and not being arrogant about it? That was Paul. He wasn't arrogant, but he could say, hey, follow me. But now he's saying, look, look at Christ. By the way, that's my message title. We have a perfect example it's Jesus. And he says, for Christ did not please himself, but as it's written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. That's why I love reading the Word of God. That's why I value God's Word, the Bible. By the way, God's Word's the Bible. It encourages me. Old and New Testament." And then he goes on to say in verse 5, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with, with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Church ought to be a place that's the most welcoming, loving, accepting. Come on in. You're all welcome to hear the gospel. Now, you're not welcome to come in and start a mess, but you're welcome to come in and hear the gospel. Amen? And and that's how the church ought to be. Have you considered this question? What would you do if you knew you only had 24 hours to live? Think about it. I mean, several things come to mind, don't they? But if you were, had that revelation that you only had 24 hours to live, what would you do? Did you know there's only one man that's been alive, and he's still alive, by the way, Jesus, who knew that. He knew how long and each day was measured. He knew that. He measured them but we don't know. We don't know the day or the hour. Some of us have lost friends and family. We've lost some leaders here during this pandemic. We don't know how much time we have, but what would you do if you knew you had 24 hours? You only had 24 hours. Would that change anything? I mean, would you argue about squeezing the toothpaste in the middle? (laughs) Come on, don't do that. I mean, would you argue? And would those little, minor things, would they still grate you and get you upset? If you only had twenty-four hours, like you can squeeze that toothpaste wherever you want. I only got twenty-four hours. I don't care about toothpaste. I I need to call my brother. I I need to call my sister and tell him about Jesus. I only have twenty-four hours. I need to go over to my neighbor who I've lived by for 20 years and I don't even know their last name. I need to tell them, hey, I only have 24 hours, but I want to tell you something. It's kind of crazy and it's, it's a weird feeling, but I know where I'm going. I wish I had 48 hours, but I only have 24 hours. We don't have the luxury of having that kind of scenario. But I think we ought to live like that. Amen. Christ knew all of those things. He knew everything. And he wanted us to live in in that manner. I have one point this morning, and it's this. Our level of our unity as believers either attracts or repels the world. It's just a one-point message. Our level of our unity, the level of unity, I should say it that way, as believers, church folks, Christians, the unity that we have right here, it either attracts or it repels the world. I found this story, and I've got to share it with you. It's a story of two congregations. They were located only a few blocks away from each other in a very small community. And they thought it might be better if they uh, merged and became one united larger and more effective body rather than two struggling churches. Maybe you've been part of a story like that. Sounds like a good idea, but they they were not able to pull it off. The problem, they could not agree on how they would recite the Lord's Prayer. That was the problem. One group preferred, forgive us our trespasses, while the other group demanded, forgive us our debts. So as the local newspaper reported it, one church went back to its trespasses while the other returned to its debts. (laughs) Our level of unity as believers. It either attracts or it repels the world. Paul explains how this can be done in his letter to the church in Philippi. Philippians 2, I have it on the screen, 2 through 4. He says, complete my joy by being the same of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and, and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. We have the best example in Christ. That's our best example in Christ. God transforms our lives. Dr. Wilson got up and closed the service last week. It was amazing, all the testimonies we had. And he said, you know, this right here in the world doesn't make sense. We've got people that you normally wouldn't hang around with, different Shapes, colors, cultures, backgrounds, but we have that unity in Christ that that pulls us together. Amen? It's a life surrendered to Christ that changes everything. I'm going to tell you something if you haven't figured it out already, life is not easy. It's not easy life is a is a toil it's a struggle and it's one toil and struggle after the other but in christ you can walk in victory in victory and that can transform god's word transform your mind so when you step close to those toils and those struggles and as you're going through those valleys god gives you the ability to get through them to the other side And guess what there's going to be another struggle That's life. But it's worth it in Christ. It's worth it. I've seen God do so many miraculous things in people's lives when they submit and surrender to Jesus. It's an amazing thing, the transformation. People that you'd say, you know what, I've just stopped witnessing to this guy or this gal. There's no hope for them. They're too far gone. They'll never come to Christ. Well, I got news for you. That's not true. What a great segue for our youth director, huh? Matt Getz, get up here.
1: That was a great segue considering uh, what Jesus and what Christ has done for me, an absolute transformation. Um, I, tell the ki- I tell the youth that I get the privilege to uh, try to lead, that, you know, a few years ago you would, have never, you would have never seen me in church. You would have never seen me up here. You would have never, I mean, I, you would have laughed had anybody said that I would be at church in front of people Spock is talking about the good news of Jesus I would have been you would have been laughed at and I constantly tell people you would never see me up here I don't belong up here but then God I think told me today you always you always belong here you were always supposed to be here you were never meant to be taken away from me so I was the poster child of living for the world. Which, by the way, last time I was up here, I didn't move my hands, so I'm trying to move my hands a little bit. I asked, <laughs> I asked Pastor Steve, I said, what do you do with your hands? He's like, just talk with them a little bit. <laughs> so here, I'm moving my hands today. So I was to poster child of living for the world. You know, my life was a complete mess. I was a self-proclaimed train wreck. And I was proud of it. I used to tell my wife, which I don't know what's wrong with my wife. I'm still trying to figure it out because she had no business being with me at the time. But I would tell her, I'm a pro. I'm a pro, babe. Don't worry. I got it under control as my entire life was uh, dismantling at the seams. So, you know, it's fascinating how we manipulate our minds into avoiding the truth or twisting it to suit our lifestyle. The truth was my life was filled with addiction, drunkenness, dysfunction, with the capital D, broken relationships, disappointments, failure after failure after failure, every time I think that I'm, okay, I I got it together this time, I'd get taken out at the knees by myself, Uh, disappointments. Loss, death, friends, my brother, my mom, my dad. Which I was like, had you asked anybody, I was the one that was supposed to be dead. I should have been so many times. And then chaos, and the list goes on. So I'd fallen behind on uh, my responsibilities, my duties, and obligations. Especially as a man, a man of God. My bills, my honor. Essentially I'd fallen behind on life. And I was coming apart at every uh every seam I had. And I was dying. I didn't think it. I thought I was living the life. But I was dying. And I can look back now and just uh shrug. <laughs> it's uh it's funny because I saw my cousin, my aunt just passed away on th- Thanksgiving, which she, she knew the Lord, her suffering's over, so I'm just, I'm just glad that she gets to be with Jesus. But I saw my cousin, and he hadn't seen me for about seven or eight years. He moved up to Idaho. And he even said, he said, uh, said dude, what happened to you? He was like, you, you weren't supposed to make it. And I said, I know. I said, but God got me. And uh, I'm going to tell this story because my wife's back with the kids, so she's not here to stop me. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it, it's amazing because... So I've, I, I, I was at my wit's end. I was at the absolute breaking point. I had no other way to go. And anybody that feels that way that's God. That's God using your circumstances to get your your attention. And believe me, this site is much better. But I was at work one day, and I couldn't handle it. You know, I was uh, I was yeah. I just I was tired of everybody. I didn't care about it really anything. I didn't think that there was any purpose, any meaning. You know, and uh, I was never going to go out by myself, by the way. (laughs) Um, But I finally got, I got to a point and I walked off the job because I was so upset. And I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to just keep going in this endless cycle of destruction. Felt, you know, the world had turned on me. My friends had turned on me. My, everything in my mind had turned on me. My mind had turned on me, <laughs> but uh I walked off the job one day, and there was this little creek thankfully behind behind where I was working, and I got on my knees and I cried out, I said, "This is it, God Hit the me and God had a very uh good Well, I thought we had a relationship. You don't care about me, I don't care about you, and let's leave it at that. (laughs) So, I finally hit my knees and I said, okay, I don't know if you're real, I don't know if you even care about me. It sure doesn't seem like it. You sure haven't shown it. My entire life has been filled with just nonsense, chaos, disorder. And I hit my knees and I, I, I said, you either show yourself now or I'm done. And in that moment, I finally, <laughs> I finally got a peace that I had never had in my life that I needed. I needed so bad. I needed it when I was a kid. I needed it when, when my parents were at violent pickup spots at the Burger King and Oceanside because everybody was drunk. And all I wanted was for everybody to get along. I needed it when guns were being fired off in the house, or chairs thrown through a sliding door. I needed it. Just somebody, like, please bring me the peace. And, and he gave it to me right there, which is beautiful. Thank you. Um, so. At the time, me and my uh, then-girlfriend, Allie, who happened to be an atheist, um, which made things very interesting at home, so this is a part of the story. So I'm reading the Bible at night to the kids, and then she goes in and reads a science book to the kids. <laughs> so, and, and it was just, it was it was very funny because that was kind of where we were at. It, it was this... I said, "Okay, God, you you saved me, but now what am I supposed to do? I got my wife or my girlfriend, who's an atheist. We got our kids. We got you know, this is really creating problems. And uh, it, it, I, so I prayed when my kid my kids saw me get me get baptized. Which, by the way, men of the church, like Steve was just saying, if God can get you, He gets the entire family. We are ordained to be the leaders in the in the in the." In the the head of the household there is a reason that the secular world wants to get rid of the man out of the house wants to get get us rid of our leadership our God-given leadership roles that we are given at, a, at the heads of our families not because we're better not because we're this or that or the other but because that's just the way God made us and we look to our we look to our dads especially I mean look around look at how many and God bless all, all the strong women that have had to raise their, their, their sons on their own. But look around at our society. We're seeing the effects of it. I'll, I'll stop there. But um, <laughs> um, so anyways, yeah, m- my wife and I were we were having a uh, we we're having a serious theological problem in our in our in our relationship and in our, and in our house because. I, I firsthand experienced God, and I, and I was on fire for the Lord. I still am. I let, you know, we, we still go through our struggles and everything, but I still am. And uh, my children decided to get baptized after they saw me get baptized. And so I prayed to God, and I know that God answers prayers because I prayed to him. I said, God, if you can move, show me a little, a little sign that there's hope. And I said, I, I, I put you before anybody. And if you can show me on Sunday when the kids get baptized that there's hope for me and Allie, then I'll, I'll, I'll look at that as an answer prayer. If I don't see anything, I don't know if I can make this con- relationship continue. I was new in the Lord, so I didn't re- quite understand how the relationship process works and the amount of time that you're supposed to... <laughs> so... But anyways, uh, we're in church. The kids get baptized. I'm gonna I'm gonna cliff note this because it's getting time to go. But um, we're in the church. The kids get baptized. We go. We sit down at service. She won't even look at me. And and I know. I mean, she wasn't like the like. I was a I was an agnostic. Uh, There might be. There might not be. She was a. There is no God. Don't bring him up to me. Don't talk to me about him. Don't you know? That's your thing. Leave me alone. And uh, so the entire time we're in the service, I think that, you know, okay, I, got, I, I made a promise to God, and now I'm gonna have to hold it up, and this is gonna be really hard. And, and after, we, after the message, and it, in fact, the, the message was on the prodigal son, which was funny to me, but um, after the message, she beelines for the door, beelines. And this is at a big church in Corona. She's like pushing people out of the way, and I'm just like, oh, man, that went real bad. We uh, kind of like, okay, God, that wasn't what I was expecting. But we get outside the door, and she goes around the corner to where nobody's at. I walk over there, and she's on her knees crying, crying, makeup running, everything's bad. And I'm thinking, wow, she really got, like, this really made her mad, you know. I'm th- you know, I'm still not catching on to what happened. And she looks up and she says, I don't know what just happened in there, but I think I got to start coming to church. <laughs> so God does move. And I, I'm telling you, if he can do what he did in my life, I, I have this extraordinary blessed life. And don't get me wrong, we got all kinds of issues still. We got, but anybody that's out there that's struggling, that's so tired of themselves, so tired of the life that they that they keep running into in the same problem and the insanity of just keep on doing the same thing but expecting something different. Jesus Christ is the answer. I promise it. I wouldn't lie about it. This isn't something that I get paid to do. In fact, I don't really like talking in front of people, but... Jesus is the answer. He is your answer. He will work in your life. He will change it. His promises are true. And once he gets you, he gets your family. He gets your friends. He, because nobody can deny the change that happens. So, thank you for letting me share my testimony. Go
0: ahead and stay up here. So the hand things work pretty good, huh? Okay. Amen. Hey, listen, let's stand her to our feet. Uh, we've got a couple of baptisms coming up. So if you're getting baptized, get ready, and I'll meet you out in the courtyard. But I want to give everybody an opportunity based on just the message today and what Matt shared with you. There's hope. There's hope for you. There's hope for people in your family. There's hope for your relationship. Let the God who created the heavens and the earth who's still a miracle worker, do a miracle in you, do a miracle in your family. I want to give you an opportunity right now. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you do that, you receive forgiveness of sins, past, present, and future. If you've received Christ as your Savior, but you're not walking with the Lord the way you should, I want to give you an opportunity as well to rededicate your life to the Lord. But I want to do one other thing in addition to that. Will you stand for somebody who desperately needs Jesus. Will you stand for someone who you dearly love, who, like Matt shared, obviously loves loved his wife. He saw a miracle take place in his family. Will you stand for somebody? Would you give your heart to the Lord for the first time? Would you rededicate your life to the Lord? Or will you stand for somebody? And if that is the case, I want you to come to the altar right now. If you're outside in the courtyard, just walk towards the widescreen TV. Just do that. Just do that. In faith. It's a, it's, this is something we're doing in faith. Amen. Amen. You're accepting Christ, you're rededicating your life to the Lord, or you're standing for somebody today that needs Jesus desperately. Come to the altar. There's time. The reason we're doing this is because God's word tells us when two or more are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. That's what Jesus says. And so when we gather together and we're praying and believing, things happen. Things happen. Amen. Amen. Church, let's pray. If you're giving your heart to Christ for the first time, or you're rededicating your life to the Lord, in fact, I think it's just good practice for everybody to pray this because you may find yourself leading somebody in this prayer, and you'll know how to do it. Would you pray out loud with me? Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave on the third day. I now invite you into my heart. To be my Lord and Savior. I rededicate my life to you right now. In Jesus' name. name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Now, if if you're up here, you're standing in front of the widescreen TV on the patio. I know there's a large group out there. Listen. And you're standing for somebody. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a child. It's a neighbor. It's somebody you care about, you're concerned about. You're standing with somebody. I want you to just bow your head with me. We're going to pray for them. Father, we lift up, and I want you to say their name. God, we lift up. We lift them up to you right now, God, that you would love on them. Love on them, God. Love on them. Let them sense. Let them feel. No matter how hard their heart is, no matter how discouraged or how distant they are from you, God, draw them. Draw them to a saving knowledge. They need a miracle. You're the miracle worker, God. Draw them to a saving knowledge of you, Jesus. Lord, we lift them up. We lift them up to you right now. You do a mighty work in them. And, Lord, we're looking forward to seeing them and hearing a praise report. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Praise God. Amen. 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 Go ahead and make it back to your seat. I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. There's two reasons I'm doing that. I need to go get changed for the baptism. And we need to close out the service with praising God. So will you praise the Lord this morning? You can remain standing and let's lift the Lord up. Let's praise His name. Let's give Him glory for what He's done in our life, what He's going to do in our family. Amen?